0: A little boy was talking to his mom one day, and he said, you know, Mom, you can't be good without, tr- without praying. And she says, well, how do you know that? And he says, well, because I've tried. Another little boy was sent to his room. Uh, he'd been bad. And a short time later, he came out and said "Just mom, Mom, I've been thinking about what I did, and I said a prayer. And she said, well, that's good. If you ask God to make you good, he'll help you. Oh, I I didn't ask him to help me be good, he said. I asked him to help you put up with me. There was a small town, and uh, they had been dry. Uh, It was alcohol-free for a number of years, and finally a local businessman came along and said, I'd like to build a tavern, and he got approval, and he started building, and the local church people were really upset about this and really concerned, and And they had a special all-night prayer vigil for God to stop this uh, tavern from opening up. Well, as it happened, uh, the tavern, while it was being constructed, was struck by lightning and it burned to the ground. Well, the bar owner was pretty upset about this. He'd heard about the prayer meeting and uh, he sued the church and held them responsible because they had prayed that this would happen. Well, the church hired a lawyer Uh, to argue their court in case, that they weren't responsible. And the judge, in one of his statements, said, no matter what happens with this case, case, one thing is clear. The tavern owner believes in prayer, and the Christians do not. None of us seem to miss out on suffering and sorrow. There are always going to be questions that we have and things that we don't understand. One thing that happens when we're suffering is it oftentimes brings us to a place of prayer and intercession and pleading with God and calling out to God. And we wish we could bypass hardship and suffering, but I have certainly found that there is more growth through suffering than there is through our success. That there is more depth that happens in our lives from despair than delight in good times. And there's more empathy that we gain from experience, certainly, than from education. I'd like us to take our Bibles and 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 turn to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 21. And I'm talking today about who said you don't have a prayer. And Paul writes in Ephesians 3:14, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love, that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I want to leave a few thoughts with you about this passage of Scripture. There are, first of all, there are reasons that we need to remember this prayer. One big reason why we need to remember this prayer is because as sure as we breathe, we will have trials, we will have testings, our faith will be tested, we will need inner strength, and we will all go through times when we need the presence of God in our lives sometimes just to get us through. We go through times when our love can grow cold toward other people, and relationships can be broken. They can be severed. They can be damaged. There will be times when those relationships break our heart, and we need God to intervene. There will be times when we go through moments of suffering, when we're too weak to stand on our own, and we need God, and we need the help of other people. I was talking to one of our sons the other day. He's a young man, and he said, you know, Dad, it's it's kind of scary. Up until this point, life has been pretty good for me. I see people around me going through things, and, and life is good. And I really haven't had a lot of suffering in my life. I swallowed hard and I said to him, well, don't worry, son, because you'll get your chance. You will face troubling times. You will go through difficulties in this life. None of us get a free pass on it. But you need to know that the grace of God will sustain you, that you will grow through it. And that in your life and in your ministry toward other people, you will experience greater effectiveness. I have prayed this prayer many times in my own life. That I would be rooted and established in love. That I would be strengthened with power through God's Spirit in my innermost being. And the reasons we need this prayer is simply this. Because in this life, we will have hardship. In this life, we will suffer. In this life, we will have disappointment. And it is a wonderful truth to know that we can pray that God would give us strength and power through his spirit in our innermost being. The second thing I'd like to share with us today is we observe from this passage of scripture is that oftentimes, the greatest weakness is internal. It's not always the physical weakness that gets us, but more often than not, the greatest weakness we, we have is, is within our hearts and within our minds and within our emotions and, and within our thought life. It would seem that the inner being is susceptible to giving way to giving up, or to just giving out. And most failures that people experience occur within them before they're seen on the outside. Something happened in the heart, something they just gave up inside before we saw it work out on the outside. For instance, a failed marriage. Somebody walks away from a marriage. It's not a, a flash-in-the-pan instant decision, but oftentimes there's been an inner struggle, a deep inner struggle that has taken place, and, and maybe years of disappointment and years of loneliness and years of hurt, and deep down they just give up and end up walking away. Suicide. Oftentimes people are, are, are susceptible to, to depression and, and discouragement, and, and, and they lose hope. They lose hope, and it may lead them down a road of of absolute end. And so oftentimes, the greatest weaknesses that we experience are internal. Something happens on the inside first. But we need to realize that the Holy Spirit is the mediating agent between His strength and our weakness may he strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being the holy spirit is our go between our strength and our weakness and we need his strength to counteract the inner weakness that we will oftentimes experience the outward circumstances of life will oftentimes weaker The inner man, the things that happen to us, the things that happen around us, will oftentimes bring weakness to our our innermost being. And when our inner man becomes weak, I would say this, that all bets are off in terms of where we go from there. And I would say that the best place we can go is back to the Lord and pray that we would be strengthened in the inner being by the power of his Holy Spirit. When we are hit hard, when we are suffering, our needs will oftentimes begin in the inner man. Third point I'd like to bring out of this passage of Scripture is that prayer boosts our faith and our expectations. As we look at verse 17, it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. When God supplies strength in our innermost being, it has a way of finding its way into our faith. When God supplies the strength that we need in our innermost being, it becomes active and it works in us and through us through acts of faith and expectation. Faith changes our minds and our thoughts, our outlook, and our expectations. With Christ dwelling in our hearts, he is present in every outward motion. He is the center of our being. He is present in every aspect of our lives. He lives in and through us. When Christ is dwelling in our hearts, he influences our thoughts and our words and our actions and our outcomes in life. As we think about this very matter this morning, we also have to think about uh, some biblical examples of what happens when prayer boosts our faith and expectations. So you look back at Acts chapter 12, verse 5 to 9. We have a situation here where Peter is in prison. And in verse 5 it says, But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. They began to call out to God in faith, expecting and believing, praying for a miracle, for God to intervene on Peter's behalf. Now as we follow this story, we find that uh, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping. He was sleeping between two soldiers. He was bound with chains. He was being guarded by sentries. And an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter on the side and woke him up, said, Quick, get up. And he said, And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. The church was praying. The church was praying while Peter was in prison. And prayer influenced the outcome in Peter's situation. Prayer influenced the actions that Peter took. As the people of God prayed in faith, as they believed God, God heard, God acted, and it changed the situation and the circumstances. When we pray, when we ask God for new strength, so that with new faith, we may have new, the new, a new experience of Christ's indwelling in our hearts and presence in our lives. When we pray and ask God for strength, something happens. Great things happen. In verse 20 of Galatians chapter 2, it says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ lives in us, Christ lives through us when we pray in faith, Christ is active in our lives, He is a work in our lives and 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 prayer for strength in the innermost being finds its way into our faith. Fourth truth I'd like to draw from this passage of scripture this this, uh, in this reading, is, is knowing the greatness of God in any situation. The Bible speaks of God's great love being known to us or by us. There is this inward experience of God's love. And when we experience this this, this love of God, there is a freedom, a depth, a tenderness that comes over us. There is a patience that we begin to manifest in our relationships with other people. God's great love is transmuted into a great spiritual force at work in our lives. What does that mean? God's love is converted or in In uh, modern day terms, we might say that God's love morphs or is transformed. God's love is transformed into a great spiritual force at work in our lives. It works in our lives. I do quite a bit of cycle commuting and uh, one of the, the, the things we deal with in Winnipeg are not hills and inclines, the great obstacle here is wind. And I would say that every morning before my commute, I check the weather, but mostly I check the wind. What direction is it blowing? How hard is it blowing? And that's going to tell me how long it's going to take to get in to the office. It's going to, going to also dictate which route I take. There's, if there's a way to avoid a, a constant headwind, I'll take a different route. And by far my favorite is having a tailwind. Because a tailwind uh, means we have less effort that we have to put into our ride. We get to travel at a higher speed. And we get to our destination much quicker. And we're much more rested. The love of God fills our souls and moves us like a tailwind. The love of God acts like a tailwind as it blows us, as it moves us, as it helps us and assists us in the direction of God's will. When we have a tailwind, we're not compelled to stay still. We are compelled to go with it. We're compelled to ride with it. We want to stay in it. We want to move with it. And we've not been called to stand still or to bask in the present day glory or the good circumstances of this day. But we have been called to continually move forward in God. Move forward to God's will, his leading, his planning, his prompting. God's love surpasses knowledge. It surpasses our past. It surpasses all of the experience and all of the education we have. It is always presenting new fields to be explored and new depths to be fathomed. God's love compels us toward God's will. You look at people who are oftentimes serving God in very difficult circumstances and situations. They're giving of themselves. They're sacrificing themselves. They're serving other people. They may be overseas in another country, giving up time with family and and, and all of the luxuries of home. What compels us to do these things? It's God's love that compels us. God's love moving us toward God's will. Recently we've been watching a a new TV show that's come on. It's called God Friended Me. And in the episode last week, uh, there was a preacher there, and he was asked by someone, he said, "What is it that, that made you choose ministry?" And I quickly looked at Joanne on the couch, and I said, "If I was asked that question, I would say, "I didn't choose it. It chose me." And much to my ha- happiness, the preacher on the TV show looked at him and said, "I didn't choose it. it chose me. It's a calling." We love God, and God moves us into his will, into his desire, into his plans, and and he has a different plan for every one of us. We love God, and as a result of loving God, we are compelled by his great love. We are moved by his great love, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. We are moved and compelled by the great love of God. We love God. We're motivated by God. We're motivated toward the will of God. And at times we may be drawn into the great unknown. But I'll say this. We can always trust God. His ways are perfect. His ways are are, are are good. His plans are perfect. And although we may not understand all that he's doing, when we have the tailwind of God's spirit at our backs, he will move us into what is the best situation for us. Lastly, we find a, a powerful benediction here. In verse 20 and 21, it says, now to him who's able to Do immeasurably more than all we ask. Imagine that, immeasurably more than all we ask. When I think of that, it reminds us of the fact that, that God is a God of excess, that God is a God of abundance, that God is an infinite God, that God is rich in mercy, rich in grace. He's a God who knows no limits. And he's not bound by the limits of our imagination of what he could do. He's not hindered by anything that would hinder us in our physical capacity. He's not hindered by gravity. He's not hindered by time. He is not hindered in any way. And he is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask. And we need to have the confidence That when we pray, when we intercede, when we call out to God for someone else that God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. And we may have it all figured out in our heads, how God should work, how God is going to work, but God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine, way beyond our ability to work, and way beyond our ability even to ask. You see, we are limited in our asking to the words that we have in our vocabulary. But God is not limited by anything. And he is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever imagine. I love this. It's a a double term of abundance. Immeasurably and more. There is absolutely no limit to the power of God at work in us. And as I close this talk. I want to say that God is abundantly able. Do you have a problem? Do you have a situation? do you have a, a concern? Do you have a burden? Do you have a crisis? God's abundantly able. His power is immeasurably more. His ways are immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. What do you need? How big is your need? And how big is it in comparison to the greatness and the limitless power? of God. We serve a great God who does great things without limit.